Welcome to Make Me Your Voice with Pastor David Bartowell. These messages are intended to deepen your faith and trust in a living God who speaks to us with hope and reason. Today's message comes to us from the Gate Christian Bible Church in Orange County, California. This is strange times, perilous times. It reminds me of the verse in Isaiah where Isaiah wrote, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Everything's backwards. And one of the greatest evils that's in the Bible is what's known as lawlessness. As we watch our country sink into the pit of lawlessness, let us understand that what is happening and what we see on the screens and what we might be experiencing in our cities is not good and not righteous. The images of stealing and looting and rioting and burning, those are in no way righteous. Those are evil lawlessness. Way back in Genesis, the first sin committed after the fall was a murder. Cain murdered his brother Abel, and God was not happy about it. He put a curse on Cain because the voice of his brother's blood was crying out from the ground. All lawlessness is evil, including murder, and none more evil than the killing of the innocent ones from their mother's womb, and God hears those voices crying out from the ground. And one day, God will bring justice. Biblically speaking, we're all lawbreakers. Jesus said that even if I hold anger in my heart toward my brother, or sister, I have committed murder. There's only one way out of this sinking ship, and it's to receive Jesus. Receive his forgiveness of your sins by receiving him as the Lord and Savior of your life by faith. That's the only way out. That's why today I'm beginning a series called, Are You Ready? What to Expect Before and After Jesus return. We're going to talk about what is happening in our world and reconcile it to what God's word says would happen prior to Jesus' return. And then we're going to look at what God's word says later after his return. But let me tell you, the signs of his return are increasing. We will talk about what will happen and we'll talk about what is the purpose of his return. His return, ladies and gentlemen, is soon is imminent. With COVID-19, is this a sign of the last days? What are those signs that Jesus says in his word? You know, since the first century, believers have been waiting for Christ's return, and we wait along with them. So join me as we look in the scripture for the signs of Jesus' return, and we're going to find out what we should expect on that day when he returns. Now today, We're going to begin with the sin of lawlessness. So what to expect before Jesus' return? Expect lawlessness. So turn in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Thessalonian church was a heavily persecuted church, and they were losing hope. Paul writes to encourage them. The backstory is that there were false teachers who were telling them that Jesus Christ had already returned and they missed it. 
So those are some bad people. So Paul starts in chapter 2 and he says, Now we request you, brothers, with regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together with him, that you not quickly be shaken from your composure or be disturbed in your spirit to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Now, what's the day of the Lord? The day of the Lord is the day of God's judgment, not to be confused with the Lord's day, which is Sunday. The day of the Lord is the day of God's judgment. And verse 3, let no one in any way deceive you, because those were false teachers deceiving them, for that day of the Lord will not come unless first the apostasy comes, and we're going to talk about that next week, and the man of lawlessness is revealed, who is the son of destruction. So let's unpack that a little bit. First of all, I said the day of the Lord is when Jesus returns to judge the world. It's the day of judgment. It's all throughout scripture. It's the time when God's wrath will be poured out on an unbelieving, lawless world. It'll be a day in the future, which will come soon. As I said, next week, we'll talk about apostasy and what that means, but that comes first. But Paul's speaking about here, lawlessness. So before lawlessness, people will be falling away. That's what apostasy means, falling away from faith. And the man of lawlessness, Paul says, will be revealed, the son of destruction. So who is this man? Well, let me just say really simply who this man is. He is Satan incarnate. He's the son of Satan. That's why he's the son of destruction. The Bible refers to him many ways. The beast in Revelation, in Daniel, the abomination of desolation, in John, the Antichrist. He is the embodiment of lawlessness, which is sin. He is the embodiment of sin. And one day, this man of lawlessness will rule the world for a short time. He's a real person, and according to Paul, he must come prior to Jesus' return to judge the world. Now, I'm not going to have time to get into the timeline of things. I personally don't believe that we will be on this earth when this man makes himself visible to the world. I believe he probably is alive. That's just my belief somewhere. But I believe the rapture of the church will come first. Then there'll be the great tribulation. But at the end of that seven-year tribulation, Jesus will come back and judge the world. But in the middle of that, this man will rise up. So before Jesus returns, lawlessness will increase. Lawlessness will increase. So let me ask you a question. Do you think lawlessness is increasing? I think it is. I think it's increasing exponentially. The word lawlessness in Greek is anomia. The A negates what follows it. Nomia means law. A negates that. So without law. Lawlessness just means without or no law. So lawlessness is not merely a disregard for law. It's a negation of law. No law. Like if I get a speeding ticket, I don't want the ticket, but I still want law. Because when there's no law, there's chaos. Lawless societies never last. 
Lawless people sink deeper and deeper into sin. So that's why Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 24, which is Jesus speaking of his second coming. It's called the Olivet Discourse because it was done on the Mount of Olives. So he's speaking to his disciples. And remember, his disciples are Jewish of Israel. So I'm going to start in verse 1 of chapter 24. Jesus came out from the temple and was going away. When his disciples came and pointed to the temple, Jesus said to them, Do you not see all these things? Truly I say to you, not one stone here will be left upon another which will not be torn down. So earlier, the disciples were impressed by the temple of Herod. It was a beautiful temple incredible, ornate, one of the incredible wonders of the world. And so Jesus is saying, do you see that temple? It's not going to be here. And in 70 AD, it was destroyed. Everything was burnt to the ground. There was nothing left. It was done by the Romans who took over. By the way, to this day, there is no temple on the Temple Mount. There's a mosque. It's debatable whether or not the mosque is exactly where the temple was, because in Revelation it speaks of a temple on the ground, and then it speaks of the Gentile part of the outer courts. Can't get into all that right now, but it's fascinating. So Jesus is saying, ain't going to be here. So in 70 AD, temple's gone. Verse 3, so as he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to Jesus privately and said, tell us, Jesus, when will these things happen? And What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? So they knew. This is incredible. Think about that. They knew because they had seen Scripture, and they're enough along with Jesus now to start to see the big picture. And Jesus answers and said to them, See that no one deceives you or misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying that I am the Christ. Many will deceive you. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not frightened because these things have to happen. But that's not the end yet, he says. Nations will rise against nations, kingdom against kingdom. Varying places, there will be famines and earthquakes. Natural disasters will increase. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pains. Then, Jesus says, you will be delivered into a tribulation and they will kill you. And you will be hated by all nations because of my name. Now, who's the you? Well, I think he's speaking here specifically to Israel, although the church is also hated. But if you really think anti-Semitism is all over the place, you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away. Okay, that's the apostasy that's spoken here in Paul. And will betray one another and hate one another. And a lot of false prophets will come, false leaders. They'll say they know it all, and they'll try to deceive you. These could be anybody, government leaders, anybody. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end, he will be saved. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. So it's kind of building up, right? I think we're in the last chapter, to be honest with you, We don't know the actual day, Jesus said, or the hour, but we do know the signs. 
And that last sign that Jesus just said, the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached, we know that for many years, interpreters have been trying to get the Bible out as many languages as possible. And that has happened. Revelation says that there will be angels in the air preaching the gospel in all languages. So Jesus is saying this is a buildup to what's going to happen. Now, I want to focus on the one verse about lawlessness, which is Matthew 24, 12. It says, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. So what does that mean? The love of many. What is the many? Does it refer to the people who are lawless, that their love will decrease? Or the many refer to others? And does love grow cold refer to the lawbreaker or toward another person? Well, here's the actual literal translation of how it it could be translated. Through the increase in lawlessness, the love toward others will greatly diminish. Here's the point that's being made here. Lawlessness, the greatest impact of lawlessness is toward others, and not in a good way, in a harmful way. When someone commits a crime, it's not necessarily the violator that feels it the most. It's the one who was violated. Being violated, whether it be to the body or to your property, is the most unloving thing anyone can do to another person. So when you see buildings burning down, businesses ransacked and looted, people harmed, that is in no way inconsequential. It has consequences. And they yell things like, you have insurance. Or, I deserve what you have. These are the most unloving and selfish comments and people that you'll ever meet. Rape, for instance, is a violation of someone's personal property, their own body. Will anyone say, I deserve that? To that person, or they have insurance, they can get an abortion. What kind of evil is this? Lawlessness ruins people, it ruins marriages, it ruins families, it ruins property, and it even can ruin one's own body. It is evil at its core. So, no wonder God hates lawlessness so much. Lawlessness is the cause of the great flood. The great flood, which happened many years ago. In Genesis chapter 6, we read, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every thought, every inclination of the human heart was evil at all times. Do you know what Jesus said before he comes back? The times will be like they were in the days of Noah. So what he's saying is that the wickedness and the lawlessness and the evil and the thoughts of people will be evil all the time. Now, what did God do? He called Noah and his family, and he saved them through an ark. He saved them from God's judgment. So God starts over with Noah, and he makes a new human race, and he makes a covenant with Noah and with the world, by the way, and it's found in Genesis 9.15. It says, I will remember my covenant, says the Lord, 
between me and you and all living creatures of every kind, never again will I use a flood to destroy all life. God didn't say he would not judge again. He just said, I won't use a flood to do it. So then from Noah comes Shem. Shem is the first Semite. From Shem came Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, whose name was changed to what? Israel. From Israel comes Moses, who is God's leader of his people and the mediator and the lawgiver. And so through Moses, God gives the 10 laws, the 10 commandments. And guess what? They're summed up by Jesus very simply. Check this out. If you ever want to know what the 10 commandments are about, it's about this. Love God, love others. Love God, love other people. And if you do these things, God is honored. People are respected because no one who loves another human being purposely violates that person. But because God knows our heart, he gave us a list of laws. And the first four were to honor God. The last six were to honor people. Number five was honor your father and mother. Six, do not murder. Seven, do not commit adultery. Eight, do not steal. Nine, do not lie or bear false witness. And 10, do not covet. If you do those things, other people will be respected and honored because you love them. You are showing love to them by not doing those things. So when Jesus shows up, guess what? He pushes the limit. He pushes the limits more in regards to lawlessness. He says that in the Sermon on the Mount, he refers to the sixth commandment, he says, you've heard it said, do not murder. Okay, and so the Israel goes, yeah, do not murder. We know that. But Jesus said, I say to you, even if you're angry at your brother, you will be subject to judgment. You would have murdered that person in your heart. And then in regard to commandment number seven, where it says, do not commit adultery, Jesus says, you've heard it say, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, even if you look at a woman with lust, you have already committed adultery with her in your heart. And the list goes on. So what does Jesus do? He extends out the lawlessness from outward actions to inward motivation. See, what was given as a way to live within the laws of society, which by the way, Israel was given those laws, United States of America used those to build our justice system. When we live within those laws of God's laws and physical boundaries, then everything works together. But even that in itself, if we even lived within those guidelines outwardly, inwardly, we're lawbreakers. Because nobody has perfect thought all the time. That's why Jesus came to free us from sin and all the laws that we've broken so that we can live freely in him. And only Jesus can transform a person, a society, a country, and a world. The world needs Jesus, and he will come. But those who reject Jesus now will be judged later because outside of Christ, we are still lawbreakers. So God won't judge with a flood, but he's going to judge. Lawlessness will be judged. 
Lawlessness will be judged, ladies and gentlemen. Everything that you see happening, that's lawlessness, that there's no regard to law, there's no regard to other people, to property, to anything, it's out of control. All that will be judged according to God's laws. So what do we expect before Jesus returns? One of the big ones is lawlessness, and it's increasing. So jump into Matthew one more time and go to Matthew chapter 13. This is the parable of the wheat and the tares, or the chaff. So wheat and fake wheat. So in verse 36 of Matthew 13, Jesus left the crowds and went to the house. His disciples came to him and they said, Jesus, please explain the parable of the chaff or the tares in the field, because he had just shared the parable. And then Jesus says, the one who sows the good seed is the son of man. That's Jesus himself. And the field is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom, the sons of God, those who are in Christ. And the tares or the shaft, the fake wheat, are the sons of the devil. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. So he's sowing these seeds in the field, in the world. And the harvest is the end of the age when Jesus comes. And the reapers are the angels. The angels will reap the harvest. And so he goes on. So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, so shall it be the end of the kingdom. So Jesus is saying, the sons of the devil will be burnt up in fire. In verse 41, the son of man will send forth his angels and they will gather out of his kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit what? Lawlessness and will throw them into the furnace of fire, and that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth forever, and the righteous will shine forth like the sun in the kingdom of their father. And Jesus ends with this, which whenever he says this, we need to wake up and listen. He who has ears, let him hear. Read Revelation. All this happens. It's all written out. It's the big plan of God. And here's the thing. Why would God do that? Why wouldn't he do that? That's the first question. Whenever God's, why would God judge people? Well, here's the thing. God is love. And we don't get to define love. And I believe, and I know scripturally, and this is the point that we have to get, love hates evil. And lawlessness is evil. But because God is love, he invites us to be sons of God, sons of the kingdom. We don't have to stay sons of the devil. We can move and be transferred to a new kingdom, the kingdom of God by faith in Christ. When Jesus says in Matthew 13, 41, the son of man will send out his angels and they will gather from his kingdom everything that causes sin and those guilty of lawlessness, Listen, the increase in lawlessness that we see in the streets is a picture of what is going on in the hearts of people. It's an outward sign of an inward sickness. We need Jesus. Lawlessness will increase until the coming of the man of lawlessness. Doesn't that make sense? If the man of lawlessness, that's his name in Scripture, is going to rule the world. Doesn't he have to have a bunch of lawless people that go along with him? Yeah. That's what's happening. That's why it's increasing. 
They're coming into their own family. And one day, that man, the lawless man, who is Satan incarnate because Satan at his core is lawless. Satan loves chaos and disorder where God loves unity and order. So the increase in lawlessness is setting the stage for Jesus to return, but you don't want to be here when that guy shows up, the man of lawlessness. You want to be in the kingdom of God now, the real wheat, so that you're not part of the fake wheat that's burnt in the fire at the end of time. Okay? So what should I do to be ready? Don't be a lawbreaker. Don't be a lawbreaker, and I'll add this, don't promote lawlessness. Don't sit there and say, that's okay. It's not okay. Any leader or person that condones lawlessness will be even held to a higher standard. There's two types of lawbreakers, penal lawbreakers, those are the ones that break law on the outside, spiritual lawbreakers who are inward lawbreakers, and we're all that until Christ comes and saves us. And both will be held to account. Unless you're under God's amazing grace, if you're under God's amazing grace, you're free of charge. You don't have to pay the fine. You are like you've never broken a law or never will break a law because Jesus' blood covers all that. Jesus paid your fine. And that's why on the cross when he said, it is finished, it is paid in full. But if you're not under God's grace, then what are you under? His wrath. You are an enemy of God. And the day of the Lord will come with judgment. There are no gray areas. You're either under his grace or under his wrath. An enemy or a friend. A lawbreaker or a saint. Let's close in prayer. And I hope that you are a saint. That doesn't mean you're perfect. By no means. But it means that you're a saint, a holy one, who's been separated out of the field onto Christ. I hope you're a saint. And if not, I want to lead you in a prayer that you become a saint in Christ, a holy one in Christ, so you won't be under God's wrath and you won't be held to your law-breaking. Just say this prayer in your heart. Lord Jesus, come into my life. I believe in you and I want to be one of your holy ones who are set apart for you. Please send your spirit to come live inside of me. I believe Jesus, that you died for my sins. You paid the price and you rose from the dead to prove it. And I give my trust and my life to you. I pray for the church that we'll wake up and we won't condone lawlessness. We'll condemn it. And in love, we will preach the gospel of the kingdom just like the angels are going to do at a later time, we will do it because that's our job. That's why we're here. Thank you, Lord, that you've made us saints, that you've made us holy ones, that we are not lawbreakers. We are set free from prison in Christ Jesus to live in the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor David Bartowell's message reminds us that God speaks to us with hope and reason so that we can be His voice in this world. Please join us again for Make Me Your Voice, a ministry of the Gate Christian Bible Church 
in Orange County, California. We would love to have you join us for a Sunday service. For more information or to find our location, please visit thegatecbc.com.